Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. Hey, what's up, Centerpoint Church? Man, we are so glad that you are joining us today. I want to just invite a couple of you in, or actually welcome a couple of you in. Michael Smith, I just saw you a second ago. This is your first time uh, attending with us via uh, online service, man. I'm so glad you're joining us uh, from, I think, Tampa is where I saw. So fill out that form. Uh, let us send you a free gift. Um, uh, Christine, Kimberly, Lisa, David, what's up, man? All of you guys who are joining us all over. One of the cool things over the last couple of weeks, in spite of all the craziness, is the stories that we've received, and more than ever, um, through radio and then what's happening um, just locally through Centerpoint. We're, we're hearing stories literally all over the country, all over the world. And so we're so glad you've joined us. You still got a second if you want to share it. But all those of you on YouTube, Facebook Live, um, those of you who are watching via the live stream on our website, man, we're so glad you're with us, whether you're a longtime follower or you're just here today um, kind of investigating, checking things out. And would you guys, um, specifically if you're part of CC, but um, anywhere you're watching this, would you just put some emojis, some clap emojis, emojis, what are they called? I don't even know, and I have no way to help me out right now, but um, whatever those emojis are to give some love to our CC staff, who I think, I'm biased, but has been incredible in terms of just connecting our gathering and providing a bunch of different ways uh, for you, whether you're local or you're watching somewhere around the world, uh, to just stay connected as a gathering, so give up some love for them. Um, So how are you doing? Okay, real quick question, I'll dive into it. If you are a parent, of kids that are in school right now, how are you doing learning to be a homeschool parent on the fly? Like, you don't even know how to make any of your own butter. You don't know how to do any of that stuff. And like, you, I'm just kidding. You have to figure all this out on your own. So thumbs up, thumbs down um, in terms of how it's going right now in homeschooling your kid. Like, I'll just be honest. Um, we have four kids. We love our kids. Um, and, and you know where I'm going anytime I have to preface that on the front end. We, we love our kids. And last weekend was spring break. And we have a great time. Like, we make a lot of memories over spring break. But inevitably, by the time spring break gets done, we're like, we need you to take them back. Like, we need them to go to school. Like, we need some time. We love our kids. But um, we have two of them in school now. That the, Like, those hours are really, really great. And especially for my wife. But when I'm working from home, like, we, we need you to take them back for a while. So, like, we need social distancing from our kids and one of the things that like, I'm, I'm afraid of right now is just the inevitability or the um, uncertainty of how long are my kids going to be in my house all day, every day. Like That's something to be afraid of. Um, and for real, a lot of us are in a place right now where you're trying to figure things out with homeschooling, and I'm making light of it, but some of you probably were in tears this last week uh, trying to figure that whole thing out. There is so much uncertainty in terms of uh, maybe job loss you're watching somewhere right now, and you've lost your job at least temporarily. Or there's uncertainty about your business or 
you know, there's somebody that you're concerned about in terms of just their physical health and what's going to happen when we get on the other side of COVID-19. Like there is uh, maybe right now more uncertainty, maybe more fear, maybe more anxiety than ever before. Some of you have been locked up in your house so long um, that your marriage wasn't good before and this isn't helping um, that you have to be together all the time, every day, all day. Um, some of you like legitimately have struggled with depression, but there's just a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety. And today, I just want to talk about that a little bit as we start this brand new series. And here's the thing. When you look at what Jesus said about fear, it's almost like, okay, so Jesus one day is talking to his guys, and um, his basically uh, invitation for overcoming fear was, hey, guys, fear not. And they're like, that's not helpful. Like, fear not is not going to help me not be fearful. Like, that's honestly the most insensitive thing that you can say. And, and maybe this makes you feel better, but none of Jesus' closest followers got the whole don't be afraid thing pretty much the whole time Jesus was alive. And yet Jesus over and over again would talk about the fact that there's a way not to be afraid, but it just seemed kind of naive. In fact, the other time Jesus talked about this, he was with his guys and he makes this famous statement where he's like, hey, I'm going to send you out as sheeps among wolves. Basically, um, it's going to go bad for you. Uh, you're going to be beaten. Some of you guys, I'm just being real with you and giving you a heads up. John, this is going to happen. Uh, some of you guys are going to be in prison. Some of you guys are going to be falsely accused. Like, it's not going to go well. And then he says this right after that statement. So don't be afraid of those who kill the body. And they're like, that's the only thing to be afraid of. Like, that's, that's not helpful. What do you mean? Like, that literally is the epicenter of all of our fear. Like, what else is there to be afraid of? You just told us that you're going to send us out as sheep among wolves. It's not going to go well, but don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. That's the only thing we're afraid of. Again, Jesus, fear not, or don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. That doesn't really help us. And then he goes on to say this, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body in Matthew 10, 28 but they can't kill the soul. Rather, be afraid, meaning there actually is some kind of benefit to fear if it's the right kind of fear, but it's probably not fear in the way that we think, but there is a greater fear that trumps our fear of other things that ultimately can be beneficial. We'll come back to it. So he's like, so be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then verse 29, Jesus is like, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And we're like, I have no idea. But in Jesus' audience, they're like, yeah, yeah. And, and Jesus' point is, okay, so basically they're worthless. Like they, they're really not worth anything at all. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground, into verse 29, outside of your father's care. And his disciples are like, okay, so, okay, you know about the sparrow, but you let the sparrow fall to the ground and you just watch it happen. Jesus is like, what's your point? And Jesus is beginning to lead them somewhere that was really difficult for them to wrap their minds around. And it's very difficult for us to wrap our minds around. But Jesus' point is basically this. There is something to be afraid of. It's not like your mom said, hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. Don't be afraid. Jesus is like, there is something to be afraid of. Don't be afraid. There is things to fear. There is legitimate fear. You're in a place right now of a global pandemic. Things were maybe not good in your home before. Now they're really not good. You're afraid of what's gonna happen. You're struggling with your kids. There's fear about your health. What's gonna happen to the economy? Jesus is like, there is things to be afraid of. You don't have to fear because I'm with you. And ultimately I have final say. 
But again, when Jesus gave them this whole lesson, that really wasn't that helpful because it's not that emotionally satisfying, okay? Bad things are gonna happen. We don't have to be afraid. That doesn't really help us. So here's the thing about Jesus that I love, and I'm gonna try to preach from a stool, but I don't know how long this is gonna last, but I'm gonna do my best because you're sitting down in your living room um, in your robe or whatever, so I'm trying to meet you there. Um, But Jesus is um, never content to just say it. He's always gonna display it. And so early on, this is what allowed the disciples to begin to wrap their minds around it because right before this teaching that I just talked about, Jesus basically put this on display in Matthew chapter eight, verse 23. If you've got the Centerpoint Church Florida app, you can follow along, there's notes in there or you can see at the bottom of the screen. But Matthew eight twenty-three, it says this, then this one day Jesus got into a boat and his disciples followed him. And verse 24, suddenly, like out of nowhere, everybody was blindsided. A furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Now, just think about the thing that you fear the most. And for a lot of you, you don't have to think very hard. You're like, what we're going through right now. But think about the thing where it's it's been your darkest moment in terms of the uncertainty, the fear, the anxiety. Like, that's where these guys are at right now. And this is like physical threat to our life. We have never been more terrified than we are right now. And maybe you know this verse, it's pretty famous. The wave swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Like this, okay, let's just be honest. This is your greatest fear. Because for some of you, you feel like Jesus has been sleeping your entire life. Like you've walked through uncertainty, you've walked through loss, you've walked through God, where are you at? And it feels like the entire time that God is sleeping on you because God, where are you at? And I just wanna say this to you real quick, because this actually may be an encouragement if you are tempted to walk away from faith because circumstances don't line up with what you think God should do. You just need to know you are not the only person to feel that. And you can come back and you can begin to follow again because I'm telling you, every single one of Jesus' closest followers who knew him better than we know him and saw more miracles than we are ever gonna see a time and time again walk through experiences where they're going, God, what are you doing? Where are you at in the midst of this? And come on, imagine this. Imagine what this would do to your faith. They didn't feel like Jesus was sleeping. They saw Jesus sleeping. Like they're in the middle of the storm and physically Jesus is asleep. Now, whether he was actually asleep, that's up for debate. It could have been one of those things that you do with your kids. Like at night, I'm in my bed and one of the kids comes in at 3 a.m. and and I probably shouldn't out myself right now, but like I pretend that I'm asleep hoping that my wife is gonna get up first and take care of them. Or it's one of those things where like you're pretending to be asleep and if you have kids, you know this, you hear one of them breathing like a foot away from your head and you're like, I'm just gonna stay here and I'm gonna pretend to be sleeping long enough that maybe they will leave and not come back for a while. So I don't know if that's what's going on, but either way, Jesus looks like he's sleeping in the boat. And these guys are terrified out of their mind. And here's the thing when you are in the middle of any kind of storm, whatever that storm would be right now, one of the things that is so odd is that there's this global shared experience with all of us, like we understand each other's emotions, is that when you're in the middle of a storm, it is so easy to draw bad conclusions. That because of what you feel and because of what you see in circumstances that God is absent, God is apathetic, or maybe depending on your church background, God's just angry. And I just want to know, I just want you to know you are not the first person to feel that. And there they are, and Jesus is sleeping, and they're wondering what's going on. In verse 27, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. 
We're gonna drown. Like literally, we can't make it through this. We can't handle this. There's no way we're gonna be able to survive this. And this is so, again, I, I just wanna, I mean, it's Jesus, so I'm not making fun or being irreverent, but again, until you get the full story, that's why you gotta keep reading. What Jesus says most of the time is like, what? And so Jesus' next response after the, you know, earlier it was, hey, don't worry about the person who can kill the body, and hey, just don't be afraid. Then he says this in the midst of this terrifying experience. He replied to them, hey, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Like, what do you think we're afraid? Because we are about to drown. Again, this is not like a little storm. This is on those seas during that time when a storm like this would come up, many times your boat would capsize and you would drown. I mean, they are afraid for their life. And here's the thing about fear that you have to know. Fear is the natural response of really a gift that God has given us. Because among every human being, we have the ability to project the future and remember the past. That's something that is a gift from God that every human being has. And out of that comes creativity and vision and imagination. That's where it comes from. And it's part of being made in the image of God. We can project the future and we can remember the past. But the other byproduct of being able to project the future and remember the past is fear. And there they are. And they're like, the reason we're afraid is because we can project the future and we know how this is going to end. And we also remember the past. We have friends who've died on this same sea. So what do you mean, why are we afraid? We're afraid for obvious reasons. And then, and many of you know this, right? But it's so powerful. Then Jesus got up. And this is so savage. He rebuked. Like he called out the wind and the waves. And it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, and this is the question, this is where we're gonna go in a few minutes. What kind of man is this? Like, who is this guy? Who is this man? That even the winds and the waves obey him. I just wanna tell you this for a second. I'll come back to the, the passage, but this is parentheses. This is one of the big misconceptions for a lot of us right now, and we would never choose this. And we're praying that God removes this. But also, and specifically, if you're a follower of Jesus, for some of us, we need a perspective change because there's some things that we've forgotten that these guys in the first century ultimately were able to get, and that is this. We're waiting for God to move and for a miracle of God when the storm goes away. And the reality is this, that the storm is not an enemy to the miracle and a movement of God. The storm is a prerequisite. And if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the things that has to change your perspective right now and has to separate us from the rest of the world when there's so much panic, and yes, there is things to be afraid of, what has to separate us is the reality is that the epicenter of God's greatest activity and greatest work is not when the storm is over, it is in the midst of the storm. Like God needs fear and will leverage fear in order to deepen our faith so that you can move to a place where you are not basing all of your faith on the fault line and the volatility of your feelings and your circumstances. And God's like, listen, you would never choose this. Nobody would want this, but you just need to know 
looking for me outside of the storm is not the perspective you need to have. When a storm comes, that's the time to lean in and look for me more than any other time because I am in the midst of the storm. And if you look at history, whether it was on the cross, whether it was in a jail cell with Paul, whether it was John who's about to have his life ended but the gospel is about to explode, God does his greatest work in the midst of the storm. And so I just wanna encourage you, and I gotta stand up for a second for this. We should not be waiting to get through this. We should be looking for God to do something in this. And I just want to encourage some of you for a second, just really lovingly, is you're in a place right now that the fear has so overwhelmed and gripped you that you're just, you're just trying to white knuckle and get through it. And so you're going to Netflix binge your way through it. You're going you're gonna to give in to depression and just kind of back away and you're not only gonna social distance, you're gonna distance and disconnect from everything and everyone around you and you're just trying to somehow get through it and God's going, there is a better way specifically if you are a follower of Jesus. Like over this last week, porn worldwide went up 11.6%. The number's probably higher right now because we just have a whole bunch of people who are just waiting to get through it. And God's going, I know you would never choose this, but you just need to know, I do my greatest work in the midst of the storm. You need to be looking for me right now. If you're a Jesus follower, this is the moment to lean into me. This is the moment to reignite a prayer life that was non-existent and it took the storm to remind you, you've needed me all along. This may be the moment to lean in to go, man, God, I want to know you through the scriptures, so I'm going to begin to take this seriously again. I'm going to recognize that why haven't I been in a community group all the time? Why, have, why hasn't that been a priority in my life? Because it's these moments where what was true all along becomes painfully clear that you are in need of a savior and his name is Jesus. And it is in the midst of this that God wants to do something in your life. We're not waiting to get on the other side of it. We're not waiting to just get through it. We're looking for God to do something in it. And come on, right now is the global church. The church is not on pause. I don't know if you've been paying attention. God is doing a movement through the church around the world that is unprecedented in our generation where people are leaning into the gospel and the message of Jesus in ways that they have never leaned in before. So we are gonna give, we are gonna serve, we are gonna proclaim the gospel, and we are gonna recognize that God literally in this moment is creating revival all around around the world because the storm is not an enemy to a move of God. It's a prerequisite for the move of God. He's going to work in it. I mean, right now, some of us are like, well, why doesn't God do miracles like he did in this moment? While we're holding our phone in our hand, watching this, and while millions of people around the world are bowing their knee to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because God has prepared the church for this moment in history and we wonder where God is at because here's the reality, we rarely see the miracle in the moment. And right now, God's moving all over the world and I just wanna encourage you on this. Don't wait to just get to the other side and make it through, begin to lean in to look for what Jesus is doing right now in it. But here was Jesus' point to go back to the text. Because he was never content to just say it, he wanted to show it. And it's so interesting that right after this storm hit, Mark writes his account and he gets all of his information from Peter. And here's what he says, is that as soon as the storm was over, like the storm that they were terrified of, the storm that literally had them freaking out, as soon as the storm was over, Mark writes this, that then and only then, it says that the disciples feared, in the Greek literally feared a great fear. 
Like what's interesting is they were unbelievably afraid and then the storm was over and they got more afraid. Because it's in this moment that they start to answer the question like, what kind of man is this? Well, apparently from what we're starting to see, he's the kind of man that can touch people and suddenly they can see. Apparently he's the kind of man who raises up kings and kingdoms and moves them where he wants them. Apparently he's the kind of man that raises dead people with a word. Apparently he's the kind of man who controls markets and economies and has power over all things. And apparently, because we were just in the boat to witness it, he's the kind of man who can speak and talk to nature and nature obeys him. That's what kind of man he is. And in this moment, everything starts to change where suddenly their fear of what? Their fear of the thing, the storm, suddenly is superseded by the fear of who is in the boat with them. And it's in this moment they realize if there is anything that we should be in awe of, if there is anything that we should fear, if there is anything we should be afraid of, we thought it was the storm, but if there's anything we should be afraid of, it's not the storm, it's the one who has the power to control the storm. Hey, Jesus, in his own words, don't be afraid of what can kill the body, but what cannot touch your soul. I have power over all things. And in this moment, a shift starts to happen, which is where Jesus is trying to lead them and where Jesus is trying to lead you. Because in this moment, their fear of someone started to overwhelm their fear of something. That there was a greater fear, awe, reverence that superseded what they were previously afraid of. And in essence, Jesus was leading them to the place to go, listen, there's something to be afraid of, but you don't have to be afraid because I am with you and I have control and I have the final say. And ultimately, when you get to a place where you recognize who and that who is bigger than anything, it will transfer your all, your reverence and your understanding of who he is will overwhelm your fear of anything, any circumstance and any feeling. Here's what's crazy. Then right after this, Jesus isn't done, so this is like 201. You just experienced 101. And so they're in this place and there's like 5,000 plus people and Jesus is like, we need to feed everybody. And so this crazy miracle, I'm not gonna tell it to you, you probably heard it before, um, but they're like, we don't have anything to eat. And Jesus is like, we got loaves and fists. We're gonna multiply those. It's gonna be the, the greatest catering business in the world. We're gonna feed everybody. So they do that. There's this massive miracle, like everybody's going crazy. And then after they feed the 5,000 plus people, it says this, In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, immediately after this miracle, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Now, here's the thing. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat because the disciples remembered what happened the last time they were in a boat with Jesus. And so like, we're not getting on a boat with you again. We're not going anywhere on a boat with you. And so Jesus is like, yes, you are. So Jesus makes them get into the boat because again, they could project the future and they remembered the past. They didn't want it to go down that way again. And so immediately Jesus made them, the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead, ahead of him to the other side while well, I dismissed the crowd. Now, real quick, I don't know if you can imagine this scene. Everybody's talking about social distancing right now, everybody. Like it's, it's our new vocabulary. Like everywhere you go, you're gonna hear the word social distancing. So imagine this, Jesus is at the water 
side or at the bank and everybody's getting in and he's probably holding the bow and he's like, hey, John, get in while well, I'll jump in, in a second. Peter, get in. We're going to go to the other side. Hey guys, Andrew, come on, man, get in, get in the boat. And then everybody gets in and Jesus is like, I'll see you on the other side. And he pushes them out into the water and he stays behind. These guys had just, I mean, had the greatest most terrorizing experience they've ever had. And they didn't really want to go anywhere with Jesus, but they definitely don't want to go anywhere without Jesus at this point, if they do have to go on the water. And so Jesus is there. He pushes them out into another storm and then he stays at a distance. Jesus' version of spiritual distancing right now in this moment. I'm going to put you on the boat, make sure everybody gets in. I'm going to push you into the center. I'll see you on the other side. Good luck. Sometimes you need the gift of distance. Like this is, this is a hard truth, but this will help you if you can understand it wherever you're at, is that, that sometimes God works at a distance on purpose. Sometimes he, he didn't create the storm. He didn't manufacture the mess. Sin did that, the jacked up all of creation. One day he's gonna put an end to it. But sometimes you get in the boat, he pushes you out into the middle and then he stays at a distance. Because there is a need for your faith to go deeper than your fear. And there is a need for your faith to move past all of your feelings and all of your circumstances that we constantly are tied to. And come on, can we just get real real for a second? It's really, really easy to follow Jesus when your 401k is fat, when your job security is in place, where you don't have to fear a lot of the epidemics that have been all around the world for a long time. It's real easy to lift your hands in worship, but God's going, I want to take your faith deeper than that, that when you don't see me, when you are in the middle of the storm and I seem like I'm at a distance, when I seem like I'm silent, when you don't know what's happening and when you can't connect the dots, I want to move your faith deeper than your feelings. And so sometimes I'm going to give you the gift of distance so ultimately I can move you to a place that regardless of what you feel and regardless of what you see, you will understand that I'm working, that I'm with you, that I will never leave you or forsake you. And your faith is bigger than your experience. So Jesus pushes them out into the middle. In verse 23, after he dismissed them, <laughs> see you guys, I'll see you on the other side. And what I love is they don't even ask any questions. Jesus, how are you gonna get to the other side? Like, he'll figure out a way. And he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, are you guys with me? It's so hard with you not in the room. So give me something, because I, I still, I don't see you on uh, YouTube right now, but if you're with me, give me some love um, on the chat right now, because I just want to know um, you're connecting. But verse 23, later that night, they were there alone, talking about the disciples. And the boat, verse 24, was already a considerable distance. And so was Jesus from the Lamb buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And so this time it's not the storm in the same way that they experienced before. This time it's a headwind and they are rowing right into it. And here's what's crazy. They're just trying to be obedient to Jesus. Jesus is like, okay, I'm gonna put you in the boat. We don't know why you're staying behind, but your directive was just keep going to the other side. So they're rowing and they're rowing and they're not getting anywhere straight into a headwind. And shortly before dawn, because they've done this all night, just trying to follow what Jesus said. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And I know some of you are like, you lost me right there. Just stay with me for a second. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, here it is again. They were terrified. 
They were terrified and afraid before. Jesus calmed the storm, talked to nature, nature obeyed. They're in another circumstance. They're terrified again. It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And Jesus immediately said to them, fail. Are you kidding me? Like this is 201. I thought you learned something from 101. This is an epic failure. How many times are you going to do this? How many times are you going to be terrified? How many times are you going to be fearful? How many times are you going to doubt me? That's actually not what Jesus said at all. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, it's me, it's all about a who. Don't be afraid. And they're like, okay, so, so you're not physically with us, the disciples are, are saying, but you're watching us? And Jesus is like, yeah. Because there's gonna be a day where I'm not gonna be physically with you, but I'm gonna be with you and watching you, and I'm gonna be working. And there are going to be things to be afraid of, but you don't have to be afraid. Fear not. And here's what I love about this. This is where it just gets really real. These guys still didn't get it. They left that epic, you're like, what else do you need to see? I mean, for us, I think it's, it's rightful that we can, like, get this little bit of angst of like, just give me some walking on water one time. Like, give me, give me one of those miracles one time where you speak to something in my life. I know it's you. Maybe it's an audible voice. Actually, I don't want that. But give me something where I know. These guys, they've gotten it several times and they're still terrified and afraid. In fact, what maybe you know is that after all of this, they end up at the end of Jesus' life even more terrified, even more afraid. Jesus ultimately is taken and he's beaten and he's crucified. And all these guys lost faith. With everything that they had seen, they were terrified, they were afraid, they were cowering, they were running, they were hiding in fetal positions in upper room rented apartments. They did not want to be anywhere near the rest of the world because they were afraid for their lives. I mean, you talk about terror. They had seen more miracles than we have ever seen. This should comfort you. They had more faith than probably ultimately we're ever gonna have and yet they were terrified and they were afraid and they were running for their lives. None of the fear not took with these guys. And then all of a sudden, I can't do this thing. Then all of a sudden, they show back up a couple weeks later after all of this. And they're fearless. I mean, not, they don't come out under the radar. They march out these same cowards and runners and they go into the streets of Jerusalem and they start preaching to the very people that had Jesus killed and basically say, hey, we know you guys killed him. You should repent. We don't really care if you kill us. We have seen something. It's changed everything. And so you just need to know that Jesus is alive. And these guys who were literally running and terrified for their life go into the city where the same guys could drag them away and kill them. And they don't even care. They are fearless. How did that happen? I'll tell you how it didn't happen. It didn't happen because of Jesus' teachings. It didn't happen simply because of a belief system. It didn't happen because they mustered enough faith to overcome their fear. It happened because of something they saw. 
They saw a resurrected Jesus come back from the dead. They had breakfast with him on the beach. And in that moment, they recognized that the ultimate enemy had been defeated forever. Do not fear the one who can kill the body but cannot touch your soul. You serve a leader who walked out of a grave alive. He is a resurrected Lord. He is a resurrected Savior. And it changed everything for them. And literally when there was everything in the world to be afraid of, they feared not. See, this is the thing that I talk to you about all the time if you're a part of our church gathering. I literally talk about the resurrection probably every single message I ever preach, and I'll tell you why. For moments like this. Because for a lot of us, we have been confused basing the foundation of our faith on everything but what the foundation of our faith is. And when your foundation is on the right thing, I'm telling you, it is an anchor when times are difficult, when there is uncertainty, when circumstances don't make sense and God seems silent or God seems like he put you in a boat, he pushed you into the middle of a storm and then he stayed at a distance because our faith is not anchored simply to a belief system. Our faith is not anchored to the teachings of Jesus solely. Our faith is not anchored just to the Bible. Our faith ultimately is anchored in one thing, and that is in history. Jesus didn't just die for all of our sins. He walked out of a tomb, removed the stone, came back alive. In that moment, it validated everything he said about anything that he taught, and he really did defeat death. He really did defeat sin. He really did ultimately cause our ultimate enemy to bow its knee to him, and we do not have anything to to fear because we know how it ends. And I just want to encourage you, church, when your leader comes back from the dead, even when there is everything to fear, you do not have to be afraid. And so it was that moment where Jesus' disciples are like, we've lost and we've suffered and there's so much to be afraid of and we're not afraid. We saw our savior after he was dead and we lost all faith, come back alive. There's nothing to be afraid of. And you know what's inconceivable? Is all of these cowards and all of these runners and all of these men who were scared out of their mind, it is inconceivable to think about. But they became bold, fearless, followers of Jesus, and no understatement, go study it for yourself, they changed the world. So I just wanna encourage you in a, a couple minutes. What, what does that mean for us? It means that, that where Jesus right now is trying to lead you, and I don't know all of your specific circumstances, but we have a lot of shared feelings right now, is that Jesus is trying to lead you to a place where a someone ultimately will replace a something, and that someone is Jesus. And I'm telling you, when your faith in someone talking about Jesus exceeds your fear of something, fear will begin to lose its grip. And so what do we do? Like, what's the way forward for us as a church? What's the way forward for us as a group of Jesus followers, people joining us from all over the state, all over the country, some all over the world? Like, what is our way forward? Well, let me just give you a couple of things, but I think it starts here. If you spend time listening to fearful people in these days ahead, you will adopt their fear. 
And I'm not talking about this naive, I'm gonna bury my head in the sand, I'm gonna act like it doesn't exist. That is so unwise and that's never what Jesus asked us to do. In fact, Jesus said, no, no, there is something to be afraid of. First century followers, Rome, not a happy place. Nero, you should fear him. Moving into the Colosseum, if you end up in that place, it's not gonna go full well for you. There is a ton to be afraid of, you don't have to be afraid. I'm not talking about being naive or burying your head in the sand. I'm just telling you this, as a follower of Jesus who serves a resurrected savior, you have a different perspective on what's happening in the world right now. And if you listen to all of the voices of fear, ultimately you will feed your faith in fear. And what I mean by that is fear is the thing that will have ultimate control of your life. That's the thing that you'll listen to. That's the thing that you'll respond to. That's the thing that'll have the most sway in your life. And as you feed your fear, your faith in fear grows. Because I'm just telling you, what you feed grows. And you need to tune into some voices right now most importantly, the voice of your savior, whose name is Jesus, you need to maybe drop off some social media, not read the news quite as much, get informed, but stop just inundating yourself with voices of fear and recognize this reality, that who is always bigger than what, and there is a who in the boat, and you, if you're gonna be in awe of anything or anyone, it is him over any something right now that is debilitating you or causing you to move into a place of anxiety that you can't get out of. What you feed is gonna grow. And can I just say this real quick? Here's the thing that, that for us as Jesus followers, and, and if you're not a Jesus follower, I just wanna talk to you like this. This is what we believe. This is what we think is possible as followers of Jesus. But here's the thing about fear. Fear ultimately causes you to neglect the things that are most important. Fear, by definition, will lead you to be self-absorbed. And you'll get into a place where you're so afraid that everything is on pause. I, I feel this so deeply. I wish I could enter into your living room right now to have a conversation, and I am, but I wish I could just eyeball the eyeball. I, church. This is not hyperbole, this is not me talking over that. There has never been an opportunity in your lifetime to love your neighbor the way that Jesus has loved you. There has never been an opportunity in your lifetime in the midst of so much fear and so much panic to be able to stand apart, to go, listen, there is something different with me and with us, not because we're better and not because we're naive, but I just wanna tell you, this is the difference that a savior that came back from the dead makes. Is there the emotion of fear? Yes, but we are not gonna live in fear. We believe that this may be the greatest opportunity for the church and for Jesus followers in our generation. And come on, when you are so handcuffed by fear, you're self-absorbed. You start self-preserving, you start hoarding, you start getting fearful and trying to control the future. We're not gonna give. We're not gonna be financially generous to our church anymore. We're gonna stop tithing because we don't know what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen with the markets. When are they gonna recover? What's gonna happen with my business? I don't know. Like we're, we're so debilitated. We're not reaching out to neighbors. We put things on pause. And again, I'm not advocating not being wise, but I'm telling you, this is the moment for the church to rise up knowing whom we follow and knowing that this is our moment. And come on, this is not the first time in history. This was the 
experience of the first century church. They didn't wait for the storm to pass, for the miracle to take place. They saw God in the midst of the storm and it changed the world. And I'm just telling you, it's our time. It is our moment. Not to be self-absorbed and self-preserving, but realize this is the time to be more generous. This is the time to love to a greater degree. This is the time to reach out in ways we've never reached out before. Because here's the reality. Here's what Jesus taught. As a Jesus follower, God's already looking out for me so I can look out for you. God's already looking out for me. He's already got me covered. He's already taken care of this. So because he's already looking out for me, I can look out for you. Church, let's go. Come on. And I just want to say this, a statement that a mentor of mine said this last week that so grabbed me. And I think it's so true. Here's the reality. Most of us, you're you're gonna make it through COVID-19. I'm not saying it's gonna be hard. There's not gonna be a lot of work. There's not gonna be struggle. Of course, it's happening everywhere. But eventually, COVID-19 is going to be a story that you tell. Make sure it's a good story. Make sure that with your kids, it's a story of faith. Hey, church, make sure that when history records this, they don't record a fearful, cowering church. But this is the moment more than any other moment where we can do what a great cloud of witnesses has done. And we can rise up to go, is there something to be afraid of? Yes, but we are not afraid. God is with us. God came back from the grave. We're gonna love, we're gonna serve, we're gonna give, we're gonna give our lives away. We're not gonna inundate ourselves with voices of fear from people who do not know who we know. His name is Jesus. So come on, guys, don't be praying for faith while you're feeding your fear every day. And listen, I know the greatest fear is the fear of the unknown, right? Our greatest fear is the fear of the unknown. The reality is there is very little that is unknown. We know how this ends. We know macro level what God's up to. We know even if, and I know this is radical because this is, but even if something could kill the body, it cannot touch our soul and nothing comes to us that does not pass through the loving hands of our heavenly father. And that may be a whole nother question to deal with, but I'm telling you this, it gives confidence that you are out of control, but there is somebody who is in control and you may not already see it, but he loves you and he is for you. And there is very little that is ultimately unknown. Jesus has answered most of the questions. And so it's why he's able to say, hey, there is everything in the world to be afraid of. Don't be afraid. Fear not. I'm with you. I've overcome the world. And you can release control. Because come on. You are as out of control right now as you were three weeks ago. You're just more aware of it right now. And so Jesus is going, follow me. Your leader came back from the dead. Fear not. And come on, last thing. And this may not be comforting to you, but it's comforting to me. Because I have lots of questions like you have. Yesterday, I was um, 
was that yesterday? No, it was the day before. This is the last day that I could go get my hair cut. And don't judge me. We, were six, we weren't six feet apart, but it was the last day that I could get my hair cut. I needed a, a fresh cut, and then they're closing. And so I was in the, the barbershop, and I was being super careful. Maybe I shouldn't have told this story, but I had Purell with me, and I Purell down, and I went right home, and I took a shower, and it, everything was good. <laughs> and I'm fine now. But my point is, in the story that I'm already halfway into, so I have to finish it, like I'm getting my hair cut. And it was so crazy, man, because I'm, I'm there, and, you know, like, everybody's talking about the same thing. So the lady cut my hair, it, like, from a distance with gloves on. She's like, um, she's like, what, so what, have you lost your job? And I'm like, not yet. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I, I mean, a pastor, we're not meeting physically right now, but honestly, like, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what God's doing through the church right now. And, and so I don't like to drop the pastor card very often. I try to, like, I'm like, oh, I'm just a motivational speaker because people initially get weird. But it's just like, I, I can't hide from it. And so immediately it goes into weird preacher question mode. And she's just like, so did God cause this? I'm like, why don't you finish my haircut first? And then I'll answer your questions. But like, just, she's just like right into it. And there, there's like really nobody in there. There's, there's one other lady and she generally cuts my hair. And we, we had a great conversation. And, and number one, the answer to that question is no, sin created it. That's a whole theological thing. But we just started talking and like, it was amazing. And I found myself, and, and don't get the wrong idea because this never happens, but I'm preaching in the middle of the barbershop, like literally. The other ladies listening in. And so I just start going through this whole thing. I'm inviting them to church. You may be watching right now. So I'm so glad that you're joining us right now. Seriously, it was a great conversation, but it was amazing. Like the opportunity in that moment. And I'm just telling you, those are everywhere. You, you shouldn't go out anywhere and you need to be huddled in your house, but you're still going to get a bunch of opportunities because this is where everybody is at in the moment. And so all of that to say, and I don't really know where I was going with that story, but here's what I want you to know right now in this moment is that ultimately you serve a savior because he rose from the grave that when he says, stop, everything is halted and everything is going to come to a stop. And we don't know why he's not doing that right now. Why doesn't he put an end to COVID-19 right now? Why doesn't he do away with this virus right now? And we've had those questions in every generation throughout all of the ages, but here's what Jesus said. So he would give us a heads up. Hey, trouble's going to come. Take heart. I've overcome the world and I came and I died on the cross and I entered into humanity. So your savior has suffered. You're not the only one who suffered. So he could say to you, I know, I understand. But then when I walked out of a grave alive, it was a down payment on ultimately what I was going to do that one day I'm going to hit stop on everything and every sickness, every disease, all death, every virus, it will bow its knee to a resurrected savior who commands nature and it obeys, talks to viruses and viruses have to repent, tells blind people to start seeing. And when God decides it is time and he is ready, when he says stop, everything will bow to his power and his might. It is the answer to the questions of the disciples in the boat. What kind of man is this? kind of man that even the winds and the waves and death and sickness and disease obey him. And one day, there's an expiration date, and it'll all come to an end. And for us, it's getting to the place where the someone begins to overwhelm the something. The relationship, the fear for your kids, how are you gonna make it through this season? What's it gonna look like? Is that dream gonna die? They gonna die? Is this gonna be okay? Emotionally, am I gonna be able to survive this? When faith in someone 
exceeds your fear of something, I'm telling you, fear begins to lose control. I'm gonna end with this verse written by Paul, by the way, in prison. And he says this, and you may be really familiar, don't be anxious about anything, anything, something, whatever your something is. Like literally, God's going, listen, stop worrying about what God is already working on. Stop wasting today's strength for tomorrow's worries. God is already in your tomorrow. Listen, he's he's not aware of it. He's already there. God is without time. So literally he's going, it's not that I just know what's up ahead. I'm already up ahead. I'm literally already in your tomorrow going, it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna see you through. It's not a promise of pain-free, problem-free, but I'm just telling you, I'm not only with you in the moment, I'm with you in the future. I am going to go with you into every circumstance. So stop wasting the strength that I'm giving you today. For the worries of tomorrow, I'm already in tomorrow. I'm already working on it. But instead, in every situation, and come on, for some of us, this is the moment. We haven't done this in a long time. We've been so, and I'm not being hard on any of us, we're all there, but we've been so comfortable sitting in rows and playing kind of sociocultural games. And now's the moment where Jesus is just using, he's not creating, but he's using to go, I just wanna remind you, come to me. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Even right now, there's a lot that's good around you. You may not be seeing it. And present your request to God. And the peace of God, not the peace of everything working out, not the peace of everything going the way that you want, But the peace of God, which literally transcends all human understanding. You know people like this, where you look at them and go, what is wrong with you? It's like you're detached from reality and it's not that they're detached from reality, but there is a peace that is beyond what is normal. And that peace will guard literally in the Greek, it will stand watch over. It will protect your heart and your minds in a who. His name is Christ Jesus. And when that happens, it's not that there's never gonna be the emotion of fear, but you will live fearless because come on, peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of a savior and his name is Jesus. You don't have to wait for peace. This is the moment where God wants to to deepen your faith beyond the volatility of feelings and circumstances. You can have peace right in the middle. The storm is not an enemy to a movement and a miracle of God. It's the prerequisite. So are you leaning into him? Are your eyes on him? And so as we close, Jesus' words, there is something to be afraid of. Don't be afraid. Fear not, I've overcome the world. I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. I walked out of a grave alive. I got you. So I just wanna speak that over you. Would you just pray with me right now, wherever you're at? You're in a den, in a living room, you're huddled on a floor, you're in your office, you got your headphones on and this is weirdly emotional and 
it's led you to a place that you didn't expect to be right now. You're in another state, you're in another country right now. I, I just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I know that may be kind of weird, but just in this moment. And I just want to speak Jesus' words over you. So wherever you're at, and I know it may be kind of weird, maybe in your living room right now, just bow your heads, close your eyes. What's the something right now? Again, for a lot of this, it's the same. It's, it's all these implications of what we're walking through with COVID-19. It's the uncertainty of health. Whether you're gonna have to lay off employees, whether you're gonna lose your job. other issues that were already at the surface and now they're just exaggerated. Like, is this relationship gonna last? How am I gonna make it through another day? How am I gonna cope with the depression, the anxiety that I haven't been able to beat and now it's out of control? Well, what's your something? And I just wanna speak Jesus' words over you right now in this moment. Fear not. Fear not, fear not. There is something to be afraid of, but you don't have to be afraid. I am with you and I'm for you. So trust me. And so my prayer for us as a church is this is the moment where God would begin to move our faith at a deeper level. And this is the moment where we would be light in the midst of so much uncertainty, realize that God has positioned us and called us for this moment, such a time as this. And that right now, thousands of you who are watching and tuning in via different platforms, that you would find peace, not because of the absence of the storm, because we're right in the middle of it, but because you find peace and comfort in the presence of a savior whose name is Jesus. And it's in that place, in that moment that you can say, despite everything that's going on around me, it is well with my soul. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment. I pray for many right now that know you, that you would wash peace over them in a way that they've never experienced before. And I pray for those who don't, that this would be the moment they would place their faith and trust in you to simply say, this is what the scripture says, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I, die, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that you rose again. And right now, I'm trusting you as my savior. I'm trusting you to forgive me. And if you've made that decision, click the I have decided button right below you. If you're on our live stream, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, we're gonna put that link up. But we wanna know about your decision. We're praying for you right now in this moment. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.